0: You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome back again to Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your host Jeff Lloyd at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Show itself at Locked On Browns. Follow back account DMs are open. Uh, yes, folks, it was a glory, glorious thirty-six hours of the show returning to Apple. Um, Apple in trying to fix the issue has kicked off even more podcasts right now. I don't. I wish I had more to tell you. Uh, I wish I had better words, but I don't. But uh, Odyssey Spotify got you covered, up and running and running fantastically. Today's episode of Locked on Browns is brought to you by Bilt Bar. Head on over to BiltBar.com. Use the promo code all caps locked, no space 15 to get 15% off your first order. We're going to break down some things today. Um, of course, we're going to have to talk a little Julio Jones. Uh, we'll evaluate the tight end room. And we'll give you your state of the Baltimore Ravens and where they're at as you know, the Browns and Ravens look to be the front runners for the AFC North in the 2021 NFL season. Joining me here from Browns Digest through sportsillustrated.com, Mr. Pete Smith at underscore Pete Smith underscore um, one of the best tight uh, wide receivers in the NFL. And, you know, whatever happened with that interview yesterday, unless, in you know, in Maybe it was purposely done that way. You know, maybe Julio Jones kind of got a little bit set up. I think in the grand scheme of things, Julio probably doesn't care. Um, I don't think he, you know, he feels that he was saying anything that wasn't truthful and the fact that, oh, yeah, he's out of there. It went off as it did. I thought it was pretty comical from the Falcons organization that they actually put out a press piece through their website, um, basically documenting the entire thing, which looked really, really absurd on their front. Um, Has there been, you know, a little bit of injury history last year? Sure. Uh, Has there been, you know, the stats down a tiny bit? Yes, but the question would be whether or not that is, you know, on Julio Jones, on Matt Ryan, or maybe a little combination of the two. Um, At one point, one of the most dominant wide receivers in the NFL, and if, if healthy, probably you still use that terminology when you speak of a player like Julio Jones. It's a question... And look, I, I no idea. I don't think anybody has any idea whether or not the Cleveland Browns would be interested. Um, yeah, Obviously, they knew Julio Jones was available this entire time. They proceeded with their draft plans, as was, added a little bit more to the room. Uh, and probably the writing was on the wall early in the offseason that Julio Jones' time was done with the Atlanta Falcons. But Pete, one of the all-time bests, a future Hall of Famer, zero questions about it at the wide receiver position. Yes, he's 32 years old. Yes, there is a three-year you know, deal on the table, $66 million on its surface as the contract is written. It's something to entertain. It's something to keep eyes on. And if anything, you know, for the Browns, you don't want him showing up anywhere within the <laughs> likes of Buffalo, possibly Kansas City, Baltimore, any of the ilk.
0: Right. So the Browns... Uh, can't afford him. Um, that's apparently a big thing that people don't seem to understand. They can afford him right now without doing anything. Uh, and I had written about this largely out of the fact that the teams that were listed as possible destinations included a few that can't the Baltimore Ravens can't afford him currently. Uh, they need to create a little over $5 million. And that Sammy Watkins deal is absolutely a giant pain in the ass for them right now because they gave him a one-year five million dollar deal which isn't bad but 3.75 million of that is guaranteed so they're basically stuck with him uh so i don't know what they what they think they can do in terms of restructuring or anything else to sort of push that down the road but uh yeah all the teams that were mentioned some of them didn't work and the Browns can and then You know, Julio Jones, based off last year, uh, when he played nine games, uh, in large part due to a bunion issue, uh, (laughs) he still had three games over 130 yards. Uh, I think the Browns had one all year. Uh, If Julio Jones, he had 85.7 yards per game. Um, If uh, the highest on the Browns was 56 with Jarvis Landry, If he was to come to Cleveland and give them 85.7 yards per game, that'd be the best wide receiver season since Josh Gordon. Uh, He fits the offense perfectly going down the field, uh, creating space for other guys. I think one of the people that would benefit the most immediately would be Austin Hooper. Uh, That was a huge benefit for them uh, when they, when they both played in Atlanta. Uh, And then it just comes down to, to cost, um you know I, I wouldn't give up a first round pick i i don't think anyone will but you know if it's a second round pick uh or even something in that area where maybe it's a third in the conditional or something along those lines who knows but that's has to be tantalizing for a team that that should feel like they're close to the super bowl he is the best receiver Uh, this team would have far and away Uh, he you know he gives you the ability to go over the top more than you were already you can imagine a lineup where the Browns have Julio Jones Odell Beckham uh, you know Anthony Schwartz or DPJ running around in addition to the Titans and all that and just be an absolute nightmare uh, it would give Baker Mayfield something he hasn't had thus far in his career uh, in terms of just a superstar receiver and only help him to get better. So then the natural question is, uh, even though the Browns can technically afford to keep everybody, they probably wouldn't. So what would you do with the current roster at receiver? And my, the way I phrased it would be, you know, you could certainly try to see if, if uh, Atlanta was interested in Landry, I don't think they would be, but you could probably ship him somewhere else. I'd be looking at Detroit. Uh, and his salary, you'd have to eat $3 million or $1.5 million this year and $1.5 million next year after June 2nd. Uh, but his salary, which is $12.5 million, would cover over 80% of what Julio Jones would be making. So Bingo. it's not some massive cap giveaway like there, there's this comparison people are trying to have tried to make where it's like this is like uh if the you know that the, the, if you like this deal it's the same as liking uh the idea of trading for Aaron Rodgers with Baker Mayfield and it's not because of the amount of money that would be involved in addition to the assets that would be involved uh it, it does not take much for the Browns to go from Julio Jones uh, from from Landry to Julio Jones. So, you know, again, it, it, a lot depends on what you believe. Uh, obviously, the the, the Browns' uh, doctors would have to be to clear this thing. But in terms of the teams that are realistic options for Julio Jones, the Colts they make sense. Uh, but they they have they have all the cap space they need. It's more a question of do they have the picks to sort of maneuver because they've already obviously already made the, the trade for Carson Wentz. Uh, The, you know, there's this idea that the Raiders would, would trade for Like, what's the point? You're, you're, you're a bad team. It's going to make you like a third place team. Um, There's some other teams that make sense that are in the AFC. uh, But if you get right down to it, if the Falcons want to get him out of the NFC, which they, seemingly seemingly do it just seems like the Browns might be the team that could sneak in and like my last sort of argument with this is like Andrew Barry has teased the idea of using trades as a way to build the roster and though he really hasn't done it other than the Ronnie Harrison trade but I don't think that's really what what he was sort of meaning um, he loves Howie Roseman of the Philadelphia Eagles. He thinks he's the best GM in football. And one of the things Howie Roseman's been really, really good at doing is trading picks for established players on contracts that teams want to get rid of. Uh and that is part of what they did in order to win the Super Bowl. And, you know, they they could look at it the same way that this is sort of the cherry on top of the Sunday. Now, to this point, uh you know, like the OBR is reporting that there's been no contact between the Browns and the Falcons. All I would point out is that most of the stuff you're hearing is two months old. Uh, that uh, that you, you you're now finding out that Julio Jones requested trade, which was in March. You're now finding out that the Colts at least were you know asked about Julio Jones. That was before the draft, so there's a little bit of a, a time delay on this. So it may come to a point where all these teams that are being sort of mentioned as, as possible targets is just sort of slow and that the Browns may just decide you know, in, in the same way that when they they signed uh, Jack Conklin and Austin Hooper, that people didn't really, maybe they saw Jack Conklin coming, but they nobody was really like on Austin Hooper as a target for them, that they just say without telling anybody, we're just going and let's make this happen.
1: No, I totally agree. And the thing here, and look, and this isn't necessarily a Jarvis Landry thing. Um, he being upgraded over Odell Beckham Jr. And for those and everybody, oh, well, you have Odell. Uh, you don't want him. He's got injuries. Julio Jones. Well, Odell's coming off the ACL. He's had the broken ankle. He's had the sports hernia. So, I mean, y- you can't pick and choose, you know, what you're going to use as your narrative, especially if it doesn't make any damn sense, guys. Um, one of the best. Um, and the thing is, he is the rare you know mix of speed deep receiver with really really good size uh just you know an interesting player in that capacity um and i think it gets to one of those you know where if the pot is so low you know and all of a sudden it's like well you know interest becomes even more and if this brown season goes like it's going to go if you could talk possibly pick you know we're talking AFC championship game here folks that's pretty much where we think we're going to be You're talking what pick 61, 62, 63, 64 for Julio Jones. Um, You can move on from either one of the two veterans. That's fine, whichever way you wanted to do it. I think it would work either way. Uh, You have Rashard Higgins. You you know, you have Donovan Peoples Jones, who you, you know, obviously want to make hopefully probably a bigger role for in year two. You have Anthony Schwartz. It's certainly possible. It's certainly intriguing. And for anybody that, you know, doesn't think Julio Jones is still one of the star wide receivers in this NFL, I got another thing coming for you because it's, it, it, nothing's changed. He still is that dude. So it's interesting. Do I ultimately think there's a legitimate chance? Probably not, but you never know. And, you know, as Pete made a great, you know, comment on and talking about Andrew Barry, it's, you know, it's you know basically lying in the weeds. And if it, you know, something that once looked like it was too big and too difficult to maybe pull off, if it starts to get closer and closer to, you know, an easier, well, you know, you, you go in, you suck it up and you make it happen quickly. You know, you hoover that deal quickly, and, you know, I don't know. It'll be interesting. Uh, you know, it, it, you know, we should be hopefully getting close, and I think that's kind of what happened yesterday with that interview was Julio Jones basically telling the Falcons, all right, let's just do this. It, 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 get me somewhere. You know, I'm sick of waiting. Let's just make this happen. We're going to get some more here. We're going to review the tight end room. We'll talk a little about the Baltimore Ravens in segment three as we continue to roll on here on the latest Lockdown Browns as Pete Smith. <coughs> Join, <coughs> joins along <coughs> for the r- <coughs> for the ride, pollen, pollen folks, pollen folks. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions, and now they want to help even more. With a Credit Karma Money Spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Who doesn't want instant gratification? If you are looking for satisfaction, there's no need to wait. With Credit Karma Money you could win cash reimbursements to debit purchases. Credit Credit uh, Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you win cash reimbursements for making purchases. When you use your Credit Karma Money debit card, you can win instant Karma purchase reimbursements on items up to $5,000. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot, and your instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Credit Karma money has been given away over $3 million in instant karma to over 50,000 Credit Karma members and now counting. Open your FDIC insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. Credit Karma money. Progress starts Here, Right now, visit creditkarma.com winmoney to open your free account and start winning Instant Karma. Go to creditkarma.com slash winmoney to sign up for free and start winning Instant Karma. That's creditkarma.com slash winmoney. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVP Bank, Inc., Member FDIC maximum balance and transfer limits apply. The tight end room, Pete, and we talked about this a ton. The Browns invested a lot. Uh, you know, uh, you know, mending the relationship with David Njoku, former first round pick, uh, making Austin Hooper one of the highest paid tight ends in the game, spending a mid round pick on Harrison Bryant. Part of this, you know, yes, there were some injuries and COVID issues. Part of this was the wide receiver uh, wide receiver room was limited in being able to challenge vertically. But at the end of the day, 89 receptions, 886 yards. The 19 TDs 19 is not that bad for the trio. But I think a group Pete in a tight end friendly scheme, and at times I think the blocking was there. So that's maybe not the question mark. But for what they had invested and what they felt the potential of that tight end room could be, I think it often, you know, felt to the point, it it just wasn't performing the way they had hoped it would. Uh, There's a lot of meat left on
0: that, that particular bone. Uh, Some of it is some of the things you mentioned uh, Austin Hooper was a great blocker. He was not great as a receiver, in particular, yards after the catch. It just that, that's an area he's done much better in previous years. And for whatever reason, you know, uh, it, it always seemed like he was catching the ball and falling down. Uh, spacing, spacing is is a huge issue uh, for for what they ran into last year. Uh, and then I think a lot of this. Sorry, I should say uh, I don't how much you want to put on the the coaching staff did not do a great job with David Njoku. And some of that was because he was hurt uh, early, but it really seemed like by the end of the year, they were sort of finally figuring out how good he can be and maximizing him more. And I think, uh, you know, part of what, to me, what what's what, what sort of getting David Njoku happy is is basically going, one, our bad, uh, we should have done more with you, and two, we're, you're going to have a path to get a contract here because that's been his whole thing he wants to be able to maximize his value as anyone would. So I, I have to think that the Browns have basically let him know that there's a real, that, that that is a possibility if he plays well, that, that that he can stay here because his issues have never, ever been with Cleveland, despite the fact that when, uh, you know, he he requested a trade, people immediately took it this as some massive shot at, at Cleveland or the team or anything like that. It was never about that. Uh, and then, Harrison Bryant is a nice player. I think he's going to continue to grow into his role, but I, I think the way they utilize the, their tight ends in general can just improve. And and look, some of this does come down to Baker Mayfield, and some of this is about Jedrick Wills. Baker Mayfield needed to get that comfort level uh, where he you know felt good enough to do things like play an empty Uh, The the Browns needed to feel confident enough that they didn't need to sort of overprotect. They needed Jedrick Wills to be confident. So now, and you saw this sort of towards the end of the year, you saw more empty, you saw more spacing guys out, you saw more flexed tight ends. Uh, So uh, I I think there's a lot that can be done to improve the situation. There's no question that having more vertical threats uh, is going to make a massive, massive difference. Now, I still have one particular issue with potential clogging of the field, but I, I, I am hoping that we see David Njoku uh, used as a vertical threat more because we didn't see that outside of game one last year and then not until the playoff game uh, because he can do that and he can really open things up for a guy like Odell Beckham uh, and some of these other, other players, but there's no question. Austin Hooper needs to be better. Uh, The Browns need to do better by the tight end group in general. I I think what gets lost in some ways is the Browns have so many guys that you can, you know, it's like going to a restaurant and getting one of those like massive four page menus. And you're just sort of paralyzed by the amount of choices uh, and you sort of you you get stuck in in ruts. And I think the Browns have to have have to battle that. And I think it's going to be a challenge that is going to continue into uh, this season where you you just have so many receivers and so many tight ends and running backs that you have to sort of be able to find a way to make all these things work and maximize them, with this, which may be one of the bigger challenges they face.
1: Agree. And you know, you're gonna factor in Harrison Bryant in year two. And hopefully, you know, you're gonna have him be able to sustain I almost said sixteen, a seventeen, you know, game season where last year and you know, COVID obviously for Harrison Bryant it was an issue for him, uh, you're gonna have to be able to see, you know, you're figuring there is going to be, you know, a step up for him. David Njoku, we saw in twenty eighteen the player that David Njoku was capable of being, the statistical output he can handle and in those times it was a lot more used vertically and it was used down the seam and he's, you know, a mismatch problem because he runs faster than most tight ends. And he certainly, you know, has the body, has the build to be able to hang in there and catch balls in traffic and sustain hits, you know, whether it's, you know, from a linebacker underneath or or safety over the top, Austin Hooper, you know, it is what it is. I mean, and, and, you know, you're not denying it 40, you know, the Browns didn't make him one of the highest paid tight ends in the NFL, you know, for the sake of 46 catches for 435 yards. Um, I'm sure they were thinking closer to, you know, between 60 and 70, closer to 700 to 800 yards. And, you know, look, yes, the injuries, the COVID, sure, that did play part of it. But a lot of that was based on the fact, like Pete said, you thought he could do more with the ball in his hands in after the catch than he actually did. I mean, it's not calling a guy out. It's not putting him in a tough spot. But it's, you know, just being truthful is being honest. You know, for the money he made, the output wasn't there. It's great that you can block, but you know they could go find solid blocking tight ends that they never all have an you know indication of throwing the ball to, and pay you know two thirds less money. It's just how it is, and you know maybe that could be the case at the end of this year, where you know David Njoku, who blocked pretty much just as well as Austin Hooper. You know, I'm not sure, you know, on an extension, maybe you're going to have to pay him as much as Austin Hooper. Then you have Harrison Bryant and you go find yourself a big old badass blocking tight end in the draft who you can put on a rookie contract for a few years. Some of it should help with the fact that if Odell is healthy, that should open things up a little bit more for the tight ends. If you can find a way to get Donovan Peoples-Jones and Anthony Schwartz involved. Obviously, much faster, younger players that can challenge vertically a little bit should open things up and make things easier than the tight end. But for an offensive system and for a head coach and Kevin Stefanski that wants to you know, use the tight ends and has a nice scheme in place to make things easy for success for the tight ends, you're going to have to hope that this year two product of that tight end room is going to bring a little bit more noise and certainly a little bit more thunder than they did in the 2020 season. We'll come back. It's time to see where the Baltimore Ravens are at. Uh, Maybe talk a little bit about the evolving door as they spent another high selection on a wide receiver and finally see if maybe that's the key to finding a way for the wide receiver uh, to become a little bit more impactful down in Baltimore. What is your favorite Built Bar flavor? Did you know that Built Bar has nine delicious flavors, including the occasional limited time Flavor. When you talk to a Bilt Bar fan, they are definitely passionate about their faves. If you don't know the Bilt Bar flavors, well, you're missing out. Coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel. So there's something for everyone. You know what my favorite is? I am a mint brownie guy. Again, it's got that Girl Scout cookie flavor to it. Oh, so perfect. If you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mix box where you'll get two. Uh, each of all their nine flavors, 18 bars in total. Not only are the built Bar flavors the best tasting, but they are healthy too. Most of the flavors have 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, and only 4 grams net carbs. A couple of the other flavors have 18 grams of protein, 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, 5 grams net carbs. Nine amazing flavors, all tasty, all healthy. Order today and get that raspberry or mint brownie or whatever you like. Go to BiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your first order. Again, the promo code LOCKED, all caps, 15, no space, for 15% off at BiltBar.com. Peter, the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, Obviously, the Browns lost both games last year with Baltimore week one. Browns just weren't it, weren't ready. It was a you know poor showing. Then, in my opinion, what was probably the best Monday Night game of the season last year. Uh, you know when Baltimore traveled, of course, you know the cramped game, the diarrhea game, whatever you want to call it for Lamar Jackson. Browns ended up falling short, um, but Baker Mayfield, after key interception, basically just caught thunder. And actually, it was funny because I was I, I put up when we had Joel Batonio on over the weekend. And and I, rem- I went listening back and Joel Batonio talking about how he, Baker doesn't get rattled. And if he makes a mistake, it's like, all right, well, I'm just going to rip off a 150-yard quarter because I made a mistake in the quarter before to compensate you know, for the mistake I made. And it made me actually think of that Monday night game against the Ravens. You know, obviously, but there, there was the interception that he threw to Bowser. And then all of a sudden, it was just like, all right, I screwed up. So I'm going to double time it here right now. To you know, overcome my screw up, but the Ravens uh, look. It's Lamar. Uh, it's going to be J.K. Dobbins obviously now as you're featured back. Gus Edwards probably going to get a little bit more of a role as you know Mark Ingram is no longer with the team. You draft Rashad Bateman uh, again. I I, I I still think the Ravens have no idea what they're actually looking for in a wide receiver to work with this offense. Lamar works much more efficiently over the middle with his tight ends. Mark Andrews is their top target. It's not even close by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, But, you know, they've tried several guys, you know, whether it was the kid from Notre Dame, whether it was Marquise Brown, uh, the ever-evolving door and Sammy Watkins for some reason, as Pete mentioned earlier. Uh, You know, you've moved on uh, Orlando Brown, no longer with the team. Uh, You know, you lost Judon. You brought in – I forget what the first name is now, uh, but also drafted in the first round uh, from Penn State. Uh, Pete the Ravens um, you know and I I think the Browns the question you know I think everybody thinks the Browns had the strongest offseason in the AFC North but you know it's not that the Ravens didn't make additions along with some subtractions but the question would be is where the Ravens are and did they do enough to keep up with the offseason that the Browns had
0: uh I would say probably not but uh that's a function of the, what they lost in the offseason. They they were really pressed up against the for 2020 and I thought it was weird that more wasn't made of the fact that they were basically all in last year. Um so they they lose their pass they they lose both pass rushers. They lose Yannick Ngakwe. They they lose uh Matthew Judon and then they they trade Orlando Brown Jr. uh which is something to keep an eye on. It'll be interesting to see if he's actually that good for the chiefs. Um, But they did a, they, they, they did get some guys in free agency. Uh, They, they were able to get Kevin Zettler, who I think will be really good for them. They were able to sign Alejandro Villanueva, which I don't think is a great fit for them. I think if they could go back and undo that and sign Morgan Moses, they would absolutely do that in a heartbeat. Uh, And then they signed Sammy Watkins after missing out on T.Y. Hilton and uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, which felt desperate and awful uh, and, and really is difficult to defend. However, they absolutely killed the draft to, in my mind. I, I love what they did. Uh, it's not a question of did they get good players. It's a question of how quickly can these guys work. Uh, Rashad Bateman and Tylen Wallace at receiver are great to me players
1: we spoke about a ton a ton during the draft process and it's coincidentally at you know, where we thought they'd be fantastic fits here um and of course they find their way to an AFC North team
0: yeah so uh they got Tylen Wallace in the fourth round which I felt like was a great great value you know I, I don't know if there was something lingering with his knee that maybe drew a question but either way I, I love that pick for them uh Odofe, uh Oway, I, I, I hated him for the Browns, but I love him for the Ravens because they they, they just want to cover you. Uh, they have got great cover guys, and then they just send the house. So if you're sending six and seven guys, and one of them is a six foot five, two hundred and
1: almost sixty pound guy who can run, you know, that fast, and he's coming from maybe a standing up position as opposed to a hand in the ground. Yeah.
0: So you have, you know, God forbid you have a a running back or a tight end or, you know, unblocked, uh, then he's obviously a huge problem. And if he can grow into that better, then that's huge for them. But even just right now is just a a numbers advantage type play. That's great. Ben Cleveland, to me, is everything that the Ravens want an offensive lineman. He is a road grader. It wouldn't surprise me at all if he ends up being a starter along with Zeitler and they put Bradley Bozeman at center. And I think that would be a, a good interior group. And then they add, uh, they had Sean Wade in round five.
1: Uh just feels like, had, whole, it just feels like he'll rebound and, and he'll turn out to be a solid defensive back for them for years. It uh, it's,
0: you know they have three a top three corner group still, uh, in in uh, Jimmy Smith, Marlon Humphrey, and then uh, Marcus Peters. Uh, but they you know they've had a guy that they really like in Tavon Young, but he he has been on IR basically the last four years, uh, or or however long it's been. He he just keeps getting hurt, unfortunately. And Sean Wade, you know you're giving him a specific job to do. Uh, I think is going to be really good for him. And then they, the, in the third round, they took uh, the kid out of SMU, and people crushed them for this pick. I think it's exactly what the Browns did with, with Anthony Schwartz. They did it with a DB. Uh, he is six foot, two hundred thirteen pounds. He's a former running back at UCLA who goes to SMU to be a corner, and then he has two. Elite production seasons for them he gets he you know deflects twenty two passes over the past two years, he makes a ton of tackles and then he tests out of his mind. So just based on you know the data, he has all pro potential. Now he is twenty three that's the only sort of hang up with him and uh, corners you tend to want him younger, but whether he is a corner or ends up being a safety for them, They can basically stash him for a year, maybe two. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But they could end up with a really, really good corner who takes over for Jimmy Smith, or they can end up with a long-term answer at free safety. But it is the exact calculation the Browns made on Anthony Schwartz. They found a player with incredible traits that they took in the third round. Uh, It's swinging for the fences. And if it works, just like with Anthony Schwartz, it could be a massive, massive upgrade for that team. If it doesn't, you know, it's a one contract player uh, that they used a compensatory pick in the third round to take. It's not a huge gamble for them. Uh, And, you know, again, it's not betting on character. It's not betting on the injury history. It's betting on these fantastic traits to see if you can figure out how to to get this guy to be a more polished option uh, in the NFL. But he's the exact size... Of most of their DBs, and uh, you know, it's th- th- this is a team that has had a ton of success with coaching up and developing defensive backs. Yeah,
1: they know what they're doing. They have a type. They know what they're looking for. The Baltimore Ravens. Um, it's good. It's going to be a hell of a fight this year, um, and it's going to be interesting, of course, with the seventeenth game. Um, with you know, between the two of them, uh, the two games within the three-week window, with the Browns having a bye and the Ravens will have their bye earlier in the 2021 regular season. I uh, do believe it's going to be a two-man dance in the AFC North. We've stated this many, many times. We've gotten to some, you know, bunch of topics here. Uh, the Julio Jones and look, it's like none of this talk about Julio Jones is going to go away until you know Atlanta finally finds a dance partner. And gets this done and over with discuss the tight end room, how there hopefully should be a, a big step up in year two for what they, they are capable of, of, you know, the individual talents that are in that room. And of course, the state of the Baltimore Ravens. He is Pete Smith from Sports Illustrated com. Browns Digest. Make sure you're checking everything out. Pete and his team do a fantastic job over there. Uh, you know, podcast with Pete and Sean Stevenson, Pete and Nicole Chatham. Uh, Sean's got another show he's doing himself up over there as well. So make sure you're checking all those things out. Guys are you know working their butt off, putting out great content day in, day out. Make sure you're following at underscore Pete Smith, me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. The show itself at On Browns, follow back account, DMs open, as you guys know, uh, questions, ideas, something weird. Look, this is the time. You know, we got a little, uh, got a little break here till you know, things start to amp up again towards July um, OTAs this week. We'll see what that, you know, comes to, you know, for, uh, you know, with the Browns as, you know, there's been some give and take between the coaching staff and the players trying to find a happy median of what exactly they're going to, you know, do the players work hard in the off season. Uh, there's no question about that. And it's just, you know, finding that happy spot of, you know, where the coaches can be happy with the work they can get in and the players being comfortable with not overexerting themselves. Last thing you want to see are these, you know, OTA injuries or players, you know, getting injured, you know, this time of year where, you know, it, it could cost you a season. If the you know injury is you know bad enough, it's just a difficult spot, obviously. To be in, uh, whether it is Spotify and, or Odyssey, make sure you're following, subscribed, uh, leaving those five star ratings and written reviews. Apple, we'll see where it goes. Um, and the craziest thing about this is we haven't been on Apple since about midnight uh, Friday night and a Saturday. And yet somehow Locked On Browns is in the iTunes top 200 in overall sports podcasts. So I have no idea what in the world's going on with Apple and doesn't seem like Apple has any idea what's going on over there as well this has been your daily delivery of all things dog pound lgb on the lob let's go browns